Mr. Key and Tom. You could say that they have some unfinished business. I'm Ryan Matlock. And I'm Michael LaFaver. We're two searching fans of Beyond Gilead. And you're listening to part three of our review of the Mr. Key series by John Fornoff. So join us for episode 105 on our return to Gilead. All throughout this series, doing this review at such a rapid pace, but also so sequentially week after week, even though we took a, a week break off last week and we've taken week breaks from time to time, it's been... This episode follows, the next one follows, the next one. But back when I was originally listening to the series, it was all at once. This is one complete series, or at least I think even then I understood that Down Gilead Lane and Beyond Gilead were different series. But listening then of this is one complete storyline, everything just melded together. So right. I thought of these episodes as one like big, big part. And I didn't know where the split from here to it's the little things or Christmas heirlooms. I, I didn't exactly remember where those were. But then when I came back through and I was, I was realizing, oh yeah, this is season eight and Mr. Key's at the beginning. Oh, oh yeah. That comes up later on. Well, we still have, we still have the uh, Peru trilogy or we still have the uh, trouble in the jungle to get through. And now we're done and we got to talk about Mr. Key. Okay, let's do it. Sort of like the difference between listening, between like saying the alphabet really fast and trying to remember which letter comes next to the other, like just somewhere in the middle. I could say the alphabet backwards. That's good. That's nice. Z Y X W V U T S R Q P O N M L K J I H G F E D C B A. That sounds really useful, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I can figure out what letters before and after every other letter. Th- that's that's tangent. Yes, but but yes. A- anyway, so <laughs> so from this, there was a, another moment in season two with Maya and. I've been listening back to the early episodes of Return to Gilead, just listening through that. And I think I mentioned in season in season two, like I think it was all for one, even when I mentioned it, where I said there was a specific character, or maybe it was season one, where I said there would be a specific character who will go on a, a journey of faith over the next couple seasons. And then four episodes later, she becomes a Christian. I'm like, oh, that's, that was fast. Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. That was a while. Uh-huh. And I knew I thought- that- I knew that this one was coming up in season eight, so I, I anticipated it. But yeah, if I could talk about uh, production here and of, of the writing Please. of these episodes. John Fornoff has demonstrated time and time again that he's really good at looking at the backstories of the characters and finding little plot points, little things that haven't been resolved yet that he wants to turn into stories and then turns them into complete stories. He's done this three times, I think. One is with Why God, with the Taylors, and with Luke's sort of quick processing of what happened to his mom, and then nothing really after that. Then actually having an emotional resolution in Why God, and turning that into a full story about the Taylors not being able to go to college, and having only, like, five characters in that episode. Oh, yeah. In this one, there's not a lot of characters. The The list is really, really small. And it's only when we get to Sunday School that we add two two or three more characters. Grace, and then Haley, and then a little bit later on, Steve O'Dell, who wants to buy the Bible. <laughs> I think it, I think it's Steve O'Dell because it sounded like Freddie Falstaff. It did. You can tell. It did. Yeah. So one thing John Fornoff does really well is that taking just a few characters, the characters who were crucial to the plot, and coming up with engaging stories around it. So a little bit after Why God, we have Unfinished Business, which obviously, is it's season seven. John Fornoff's like, wait a minute, there was this whole story? We never got to see that ending? Oh, I want to see that ending. So he writes it, and he does a great job with it. 
And now, finally, we've got a character of Mr. Key. And, okay, Mr. Key's been on the show for a while. What if we take this development that's been progressing for Act 1, Era 1 of the show, Act 2, Era 2 of the show, or the beginning of Era 2 of the show, and bringing it to its conclusion in these intense episodes that involve Timmy and Mr. Key? And it's mostly just Timmy and Mr. Key. There's not a lot of confusion around it. It's not like where he leads, I will follow A Time to Go and A Time to Stay, where it's Mr. Richter intertwined with Brooke and Monica and a bunch of characters and stuff. It's not an ensemble cast. And I like that. I think it's different from the beginning of Gilead, where you'd have Beth Culp, who would have the whole family there in the dinner scenes and different spotlights on the different characters. But I like the style of, we're going to focus on this little issue here, or not even have any of the Morrisons, except for I don't think I think any of the Morrisons were in Unfinished Business Part One, unless I'm wrong about that. But to mm-hmm. to have it just focus on those characters, that's so good for a world building standpoint and for a story finale standpoint. John Fornoff is really good at writing finales, except for maybe one finale, which we'll talk about at the end of the series. So he's <laughs> he's good at writing active character active character based finales, and yes. even bringing up. Pieces from the the retcon that he makes to Heart and Soldier is incredible. Where he, where I'm thinking of Heart and Soldier, and I'm like, wait a minute, his parents, Mr. Key's parents, were there for that. And maybe I need to go back and listen to Heart and Soldiers to make sure this all matches up. But the explanation is that was the one thing that my parents could agree on: me not going off to the military. And that was the one time that I saw my dad again. That scene that you guys have already seen when I'm obviously not ten. I'm like, oh. That's how you explain that, and you explain it in yeah. a really creative way. Nice. Yeah, and I was wondering that when he was like, I didn't see him until a long time later. I was like, uh, I remember a scene where you're like 16 or 17 or something. And he's like, oh, that's a long time later. <laughs> and apparently... <laughs> but yeah. Exactly. And the fact that that, like, that almost makes the scene even more emotional because he's fighting with his dad and this isn't just a dad uh we fight about things every once in a while but this is the thing that we're really fighting about it's like you came back after abandoning us just to tell me this it's also pretty it's got to be confusing to personally to mr key to see yeah our brother just died in the military and i want to go take his place why do you care about this? You never cared about our family. All of a sudden you care just because one of us doesn't exist anymore. What are you, what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. That's impactful. And I appreciate the research that he did. And just whenever John Fornoff summarizes stuff that Beth Culp wrote, it's really interesting to me to say, Oh, you really respect your source material. Nice job. And he, do- he doesn't yeah. change it. Like, even the, the little retcons of stuff that was unexplained in season four, like with Grace saying, God told me to put it down, and with the weaving around Heart and Soldier, which is already iffy, along with boring as far as Mr. Key and Elsie backstory, putting all that together into a coherent story and bringing up stuff that we as the audience like to hear. I like hearing about Mr. Key's backstory. Doing that takes a really good writer who does his research. And I can't imagine, like, I... I'd love, I think we should have John Fornoff on the show for the end of season eight. That'd be great to interview him about Unfinished yeah. Business and Why God and the Sock episode, which we can pick yeah. up and pick him up like a volleyball and spike him over the net if we have to. But, you know, we'll, mighty I'll bet that was just like, hey, here's an episode. Do it. Oh, okay. Boom. Okay. 
what's your second episode? Well, I thought I'd make the the Taylors go bankrupt. Yeah, that sounds better. Let's do that one. <laughs> <laughs> what about the sock episode? Uh, no, he, we don't have to talk about that. He was working okay. so hard. He was working so hard on putting his heart and soul into the Taylor episode, and they're like, um, "Yeah, when is that going to be done?" He's like, "I got a little bit more polishing to do." Well, we need an episode now. Uh, 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 well, here's something, uh, socks. No, it's like Steve O'Dell comes up to him and is like, "Hey, look, man, we hired you to." write these scripts and you're not doing it what's wrong and he kind of hangs his head like oh i'm sorry it's just been and then he looks at his sock and he's like i have an idea i have so many <laughs> ideas <laughs> turns out he actually wrote an episode where socks go and do all the things that he had michael saying the socks did in his play what? and he pitched that to them and they didn't <laughs> like it and they were so like this is like, gillian okay. what are you doing Okay, you don't like that? I'll put that into an episode oh. anyway. <laughs> okay, I've learned my lesson, and so will Michael. Yeah. Can we move on? No. we <laughs> yes, got to keep talking about, about the sock episode. So all that to say, production quality, I think, is what I just started to talk about. So with John Campbell and Steve Wick in parts one and two is John Campbell, John, parts three and four is Steve Wick. I think the sound designers are still the same. I, I need to look this up. I've got the DGL stats spreadsheet open, so I might as well just look at that. It's still Elizabeth Bowman who is both of them. So Elizabeth Bowman does sound design for all four parts, and then Steve Wick just does the music for the latter two parts. Do you want to talk about the, the differences in the music? Because I think you actually picked up on this this time. Yes, I did. Yeah. I did. Go for it. Yeah, the music in the first two parts, it like the music and everything is great. Uh, nothing again uh, with the music being bad or anything. Yeah, John Campbell's always good. Yeah, John Campbell's always good. The Steve Wick arrangement that he's got in the final two parts, there are several places where the music is stylized mm -hmm. in a way that it's not stylized for other episodes that makes it, it's, it's not a leitmotif, but it's pretty close <laughs> to being a leitmotif in the way that it's unique and it's only played in this moment with uh, Mr. Key. That at first I was like, wait, does Mr. Key get his own theme? Oh no, it's just the DGL theme done differently, but still, Hello. close enough. Yeah, I think one of my notes somewhere in here is, if I can't get a leitmotif, can I at least get a repeated bit of audio or a bit of music? I mentioned this in A Time to Go and A Time to Stay Part 2, where the prayer music is the same for much of the prayers like there's two different prayer themes in there sure it, it makes this episode different enough and i think this one these two episodes are also different in the music from free for all and i forget who did the music in the what which episodes he did music for in the in the very beginning but they're different enough from his past gilead episodes and from his odyssey episodes to show just how dark he can go and how intense he can go with the music. And that shows in those final episodes because Mr. Key passes away. And that music of uh, surrounding that final moment in part three was so, so well done. I'll say for me, when I listened to these four episodes, I had forgotten that he was the composer for parts three and four. And then I heard part one last night then I heard part one again today when I was prepping for it. Then parts two, three, and four I listened while prepping. And I cried at the end of parts two, three, and four. Which is kind of why I'm putting this as my favorite episodes of the series. Because Unfinished Business only made me cry like three times, maybe twice, within those two episodes. This one made me cry at the end of every single one. 
just because of how nice. how strong the emotions are here. And those emotional beats are Timmy's here for Mr. Key. He, everything's okay. He's here to tell him about Jesus. The other emotional beat is that Mr. Key is like has this backstory and is pouring his heart out to Tom and then he he's passed away and John's acting his delivery is so good for that. And then the yeah. final beat is that Mr. Key he forgave the Richters, forgave his father and forgave himself and accepted Christ. And then the final thing that he didn't read or that Timmy didn't read is that he hopes that Timmy got the note to know that he listened. All those beats and Steve Wick's music around that makes it a masterpiece of storytelling and a masterpiece of an audio drama. That sounds like a last word, but it's not. We still have a fair bit to talk about, but all that to say, production quality is so, so great for this four-parter. Agreed. Can I just get a montage of me saying, that's so, so great? (laughs) It's so, so great. So, so, so great. So, 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 so great. Shall we listen to Clip of the Day for part three? Please. I abandoned my dad, just like he abandoned me. Mr. Key, Mr. Key, God's right here, right, right now, and he wants to heal that wound you've been carrying around all these years. Don't, don't turn away this time. I can see you are sincere, but this is too much for me now. I'm too old. It's been too long. It's an old wound that has never healed and never will. (laughs) Until... Until what? Until you forgive. Until you surrender to God. Mr. Key, it's never too late. Not until the day that, that you meet God face to face. Now, that goes back to... It was Sneeze the Day with Mr. Key going against Tom in the, the the talks about like the dedication for the the new wing of the school and how it should be uh, I was the town was saying like it should be after Scott Andrews and Mr. Key was stumping for that and he almost brings up the past with Tom Richter and then Tom says no Jeremiah Key has a point and he agrees yeah yeah we we should name it after Scott Andrews and then in the next season with Free For All, part two, where he's swatting flies because he's so upset about what's going on, (laughs) you can see that bitterness that's inside of him. And now, to see it go from anger to grief over the fact that there is this unforgiveness in his heart towards Tom and towards his father that's been there for so long that we we haven't seen and we didn't know was there. He just seemed like a crotchety old man. This is, uh, but also a nice crotchety old man, this is doing so, so much for his character, to, to bring him to this point, but also with Tom being right there and being the one who walks him through it, Tom's also gone through this and he went through this exact same process of I there it won't work. God wouldn't it wouldn't work for me to become a Christian. Here with Mr. Key, Mr. Key's never done anything that's wrong necessarily. He's rejected God and that's his that's what he needs to repent of and he needs to extend forgiveness. He hasn't given forgiveness to the people in his life who he needs to. But what's interesting about him is that in all these flashbacks, he's a great guy. He's He's got a good relationship. He's treating her well. He's showing her that he loves her with Elsie. And then with Jack, he that's a, a friend who he cares for and who he wants to protect and who he is distraught over. That scene when Jack dies is really powerful because we see them like talking and, and being pals right before then. About uh-huh. The flashback opens with 
Mr. Key going, oh, I was I was scared something had happened to you. He's like, no, 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 I was, I was going to check something over there in the bush. And then he is shot and dies, and then we fade out on him yelling his name, I think is how that works. So uh-huh. coming to the end of the episode, Mr. Key is uh, an old man who's experienced so much hardship in his life with not being able to have children, blaming God for that, having that all happen to Grace and not pursuing it, blaming God for that because God allowed that to happen, having his best friend die, blaming God for that, and his his wife dying uh, later on in life. I don't know. I think he's at, at peace about that, but we heard back in Heart and Soldier about how she had been witnessing to him and how he had just never responded to that. But it seems like it'd be a little bit harder for him than for Tom to become a Christian because he doesn't necessarily have a reason to he's at the end of his life it's not like he's going to expect his life to get better and it's not like there's sins that he has to atone for the unfinished business he has is just between him and god where people have wronged him and he needs to forgive it doesn't make sense according to his worldview it, it shouldn't make sense why but because the people he cares about timmy mainly are telling him that he should do it he does and because God is bringing these memories back to him. And that's another question. Maybe we can talk about that. What do you think about that idea of God's intervention in Timmy's prayers of who can I witness to and have Mr. Key, having Mr. Key come to mind and then having those memories of God and of people witnessing to him about God coming back to Mr. Key. What do you think about the divine intervention in, in that way in these episodes? Good question. I think... There's sort of two ways to look at this. You can look at it and call it divine intervention. I personally have a theory that explains it that doesn't make it necessarily divine intervention any more than like you digesting your food is divine intervention. Mm -hmm. Because like technically God designed your digestive tract, but it's acting the way it would given the fact that he caught he set things in motion. So closer to deism, huh? Well... (laughs) <laughs> it, it deism as in like that we have an impersonal god i don't know i mean because i'd like to think that like that's definitely something god could directly do and like put that thought on timmy's yes. mind and it, it, it's something he could do the question is whether he did mm-hmm. because that's where you get it like when you get into the point of saying god did this and put this thought in my head you're getting into the point of saying that you know what god has done when that could be explained in a different way, which, you know, like we would call some people heretics for saying things like that. Like if they say, oh, yeah, all those people who died in that freak accident, God did that because he's casting judgment on them. Like that that's an example of someone yeah, no. saying they know what God did because something amazing happened or something out of the ordinary happened. Mm-hmm. You can attribute things to God, but the moment that you start saying that you know what God did and you and you know what things God didn't do, you're placing yourself on a higher level of understanding than others. Sort of, I, yeah. I know the, these are the things God does and these are the things that are just ordinary. Mm-hmm. When truly, God created everything. He set everything in motion. So technically, nothing can happen without him having have done something prior but simultaneously, I think there's a lot of things that happen that just happen because the, that's the way the world has been set in motion. And those are the chain reactions that occur. 
And that's something God allows to happen, but it's not something he's going in and manipulating personally. Makes sense. Where this all ties into this is that I'm not going to address the Timmy part because that's not the the one that I'm mostly focused and uh, interested in. Sure, that's fine. But more in the um, Mr. Key remembering things. I think that I'm going to specify it's purely theory, but I've noticed that a lot of people who start to experience Alzheimer-related symptoms and the, the sorts of things that they start to remember, often they tend to seem very personal, very tied to stuff in their lives that was left unresolved. And I ask myself, what's the reason that they do that? And the theory that comes to mind is that I think that the human spirit knows when things are left unresolved just because like, when we don't have closure about things, we tend to continue to think about them and replay them in our heads. Mm-hmm. And I think that this and this is getting into even further theoretical as far as the brain of Ryan, because I've often wondered, like, why why do people get Alzheimer's? That seems pretty terrible that someone reaches a point where they can't keep a grasp and sort of see straight in their memories mm-hmm. just all get lumped and lumped together and fuzzy. And one thing I wonder is I think that God has given us tools to gain closure on things, stuff like mourning, stuff like resolving conflict and wants us to do those things. We see this in verses where Jesus is like, hey, are you about to give your gift at the altar, but you realize that someone has something against you or you against someone else? You need to go resolve that before you give your gift on the altar. Like, you may think, oh, well, I'm giving a gift to God. That's really important. No, God God cares more about you resolving your interpersonal conflict and being just clear on that before you give your gift on the altar. Mm -hmm. So that makes me think that if God cares that deeply about us resolving things like that, maybe there's a reason. And it's that if we leave it unresolved, it causes more damage in our souls than we realize and leads to things like Alzheimer's possibly where your body has held on to the stress and anxiety and bitterness that comes from holding on to things like that for so long that it's actually causing physiological damage in your mind. That is all pure theory. That said, I have done research that leads to at least the possibility that that is what's going on, that people who have unresolved conflict in their lives are at higher risk for things like that. Man, Ryan, we just have one more part to go in this review series. One more. This is, this is crazy, yeah. Whatever little minutia and debates and was Grace right questions that we have to sort out, I guess we'll <laughs> finish it all up next time. So, Hey, Michael, I've got a question for you. Hey. What is the most convoluted way you can think of to access returntogilead.com? Well, if you have a Roomba, which is a little <laughs> robot vacuum cleaner, you can go into the Roomba settings and jailbreak the motherboard (laughs) so that you can then change the IP address that it uses for DNS masking to the return to Gilead IP address. And then if you do that, your vacuum cleaner will probably not work anymore, but it'll be connected to our servers and that'll be a way you can get in contact with us. And we will clean your house remotely. No, we'll just... 
maybe. I don't know how this works. <laughs> I don't want to be responsible for that. Anyway, yeah, go to returntogilead.com and send us in any feedback you have for us to put into this last fourth part. Let us know what you thought of the Mr. Key series, whether you like this format of doing all four at once, whether you hate it, whether you like us, whether you hate us. I don't know. But just let us know what you're thinking. We love hearing from you guys. I'm curious. Was Grace right? I don't know, but her spirit is powering my vacuum. <laughs> Come on. Next time, we'll be reviewing the <laughs> final part in the Mr. Key series. That'll be episode 106. <laughs> so, until then. I'm Ryan. And I'm Michael. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope your house gets clean. And we'll see you all <laughs> in the next episode as we once again return to Gilead. Gilead.